0: And I'm Rob. And this is Dark Origins Podcast, a podcast where I tell Rob about the inspirations behind all mediums of art, so TV shows, movies, music, et cetera, and sometimes, <laughs> sorry, I don't know why. <laughs> and sometimes we talk about times where life imitates art.
2: Hell yeah, we do. So what's tonight about? We are recording at night, by the way, tonight.
0: Yes. Thank you for telling me I don't know. They might want to know. I don't know what people want to know. Okay, yeah. If you want, like a, if you want to picture us sitting here recording, it is nighttime, <laughs> and one of our dogs, Onyx, is laying right next to me. Our other dog just ran down back, just ran downstairs, but I'm sure he'll be back soon. And yeah, okay. Um. Oh, really quickly before we start, I do want to tell everyone that I started a new podcast. It's called "It's Always Cloudy in Hell: Colon a Recovery Podcast." It is a podcast about Recovery, obviously, Um, I don't want to, like you said, I don't want to like, what'd you say, pigeonhole myself or right. box myself in right. by saying it's just about people who have suffered from addiction or mental health issues, because really, I would love to talk to people about their struggle life. and recovery from anything at all. Um,
2: Yeah, just life, right?
0: Yeah, but particularly the things they've struggled with and how they've recovered from it
2: yeah 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 yeah. i get that i'm just saying like everybody has a story
0: yes yeah um so we're all all in this together we're all in this together Together. okay um (laughs) so anyways yeah so i don't want to you know it's not just gonna be people who have struggled from addiction but that probably will be you know mainly what you'll hear is people who have struggled from addiction and mental health issues and how they've recovered from that or if they're still struggling then you know what it's like for them now that too yeah. regardless I want to talk to anyone no matter where they're at in their story if that makes sense
2: yeah it makes sense to me
0: so the first episode just came out it was done with a woman named Catherine and I'll leave it at that just because I don't want to take up too much time talking about it, but it's currently on Spotify and Amazon. It will be on Apple Podcasts soon. It just takes a few days for them to like authenticate things or for them to post it. And eventually, very soon, it will be on anywhere you find your podcast. Hell yeah. All right. So for this podcast, I'm very excited because... Oh, I know what it
2: is. I know what it is. What is it? It's the story behind True Detective season four. Yes. I knew it. And yes. You told me you were going to do it soon.
0: Yes. So, for if any of our listeners, which I'm sure there are listeners who are watching True Detective season four, this is going to be one of the inspirations behind the season. So, there's right. two inspirations that Issa Lopez, the showrunner, mentions, which I'll get into that in a second. Or, well, I guess let, let's just get into it. All right. Yeah, Jodie Foster's in it. It's so good. It's fucking amazing. I know that, well, I talked a little bit about it in the beginning, so I guess we can just get into it and talk, you know, if there's anything else we want to mention. But I would definitely recommend to everyone that they watch it if you're into that kind of stuff. It has been so good so far.
2: If they're here, they're into it. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I think it's safe to say.
0: Yeah, I would agree. So, as we know... True Detective Season 4 is almost at its end. The reception has been mixed. Some people hate it, which I think is maybe due to misogyny a little bit.
2: You think? I do. Why? Yeah. Because it's all women?
0: And the showrunner is a woman. But many love it, including us. It threads together supernatural and real-life horror in a way that makes it unclear what is more dangerous in the town of Ennis, Alaska. Is it the supernatural or is it the people that live there
2: right the, and I mean we're one episode away from the end and I do not know
0: yeah me neither I mean it's starting to become a little more clear now but that literally just happened in the fifth episode before that I really wasn't sure where this where it was gonna go you know
2: all I know is, is this is gonna be a long week
0: yeah waiting for it I know. Yeah, I
2: know we watched it Friday I know we have to wait all the way till Sunday
0: I know I know. Anyway,
2: go
0: ahead. And it makes sense when you find out what real life cases inspired it because the real life cases that inspired it are two mysteries that people have, you know, speculated on for decades and people still aren't really sure, you know, what exactly happened. The one that I'm going to talk about today, it seems like. We're a little bit closer to knowing, according to Issa Lopez, this season's showrunner. The cases that inspired her were two mysteries that have some very spooky elements: the Love Pass incident and the Mary Celeste. So,
2: right. And which one are we doing?
0: We're gonna do the Love Pass incident for this episode, and the next episode we'll do the Mary Celeste. We're gonna do both. Yeah, I mean, cool. do you think we should not?
2: No, I like it. I'm okay. excited.
0: Yeah. I know that many people have covered both the Dietlov pass incident and the Mary Celeste. So I will try to keep both episodes interesting. And I'm going to try not to dwell on things that, you know, we've heard a million times. I don't want to bore people. Does that make sense?
2: Thank you for that. You're welcome. Totally makes sense.
0: All right. So let's start from the beginning. In 1959, a young man, 23-year-old Igor Dietlov was attending Ural Polytechnic Institute as a radio engineering student. He was an experienced cross-country skier who put together a 10-person group of other experienced hikers to scale the Ural Mountains. supposed to be very, I guess, dangerous and and hard to get there. So apparently their goal was to reach O'Torton, which was a northern region of the mountain or is a northern region of the mountain, and O'Torton was called, quote, unquote, don't go there supposed to be very, I guess, dangerous and and hard to get there. Right. And in order to get there, they would have to go through uh, an area or a mountain called Kolat Siakal, which is called the Mountain of the Dead. Oh. Because there's a legend that some Manzi hunters, which the Manzi are an indigenous group that live in this area. Okay. So the legend goes that some Manzi hunters died mysteriously or just vanished.
2: Wow. Okay.
0: Yes. So every member of the group was a grade two hiker. Grading is used in mountain climbing to reflect the difficulty and complexity of the climb. If a hiker successfully completes a grade two route, they will receive a certification to prove it. Their route through the Urals was a grade three route, meaning the group would have received their grade three certification once they completed it.
2: So you have to get, you have to go do it before you're certified.
0: Yes, that's wild. To me, that is what it, it sounds like. According to Wikipedia, grade three requires the climber to complete a 300 kilometer or 190 mile route. And at the time, grade three was the highest grade in the Soviet Union. So oh. they were quite literally experts. Yes. So, you know, we have Igor Dietlov who is organizing this. And the other members of the group were Yuri Doroshenko. Ludmila Dubanina, Alexander Kolevatov, Zenaida Komogorova, Yuri Krivanashenko, Rustem Slobodin, Nikolay Thibaut Brignol, Semyon Zolotaryak, and Yuri Yudin. And then, of course, I- Igor. The group, originally consisting of 10 people, set out on January 27th, 1959. One member, Yuri Yudin, had to drop out, unfortunately, and turn back pretty early on, Due to sciatica and joint pain, the group was expected to return by February 12th, and they were supposed to send a telegram to their sports club as soon as they made it back. When the 12th came and went without a word from the group, nobody freaked out because it wasn't unusual for expeditions like that to take longer than predicted. But family members of hikers began getting anxious and asking the sports club to send out a search team after, you know, like a week went by.
2: Oh, my. A whole week?
0: Yes. Wow. I, I believe that they did not send out a search group until the 20th of February.
2: Wow, was eight days.
0: Yes. So after eight days went by, the f- the family was like, you guys need to go out there and look for them. Something has clearly gone wrong. Right. So on February 20th, searchers were dispatched. They followed the group's route until they found their tent. It looked like it had been seriously damaged. One of the searchers remarked after the fact... Quote, the tent was half torn down and covered with snow. It was empty and all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. What? What do you mean?
2: Their shoes and everything was just left in the tent.
0: Yes. And strangely, it had been cut open from the inside. So it looked as though they had cut themselves out of the tent and all fled from the tent without grabbing any of their belongings.
2: Naked as a jaybird.
0: Some of them were not wearing many layers. Others were wearing more layers, but not enough. No one was prepared to be running out in the snow outside okay. of their tent. Okay. The searchers could see several tracks of footprints leading away from the tent. Each track provided important info as they showed that many of the group were running barefoot while others were wearing socks or a single shoe. This provided some context for the searchers as it was apparent that the group cut themselves out of their tent and fled quickly without having time to put on shoes or grab important belongings. They traced the footprints, but eventually lost the tracks as a layer of snow covered them.
2: Yeah, that seems to make sense. Uh, So, it's cold as fuck.
0: Yes, at night it gets to like negative 30 degrees. That's wild. Yes. I mean, it gets, unless you live in an area like this, which we live, you know, pretty far north relative to a lot of the world, but not that far north. So we really have no idea what that would even feel like. I
2: don't, I mean, that, you can't be outside for long at all.
0: No, not, no, you can't. And it's been said, the investigations have showed that there were wind speeds up to hurricane force, so 20 to 30 meters per second. What? And... You know, there was snowstorm temperatures, so I guess actually got to um, negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit that night. But Goodness. many nights it would be about negative 30, so.
2: Not a day to go running in the snow without your shoes on.
0: No, no, definitely not. No one not. would do that. No, no.
2: But these people did.
0: Yes. So clearly whatever forced them out of their tent was a bigger threat to them than going out into the wild like that without having shoes on.
2: That's crazy. Yeah. Like what got in there? I mean, it's not like a snake or something.
0: No, definitely not a snake. You know,
2: that's the only thing I can think of that I would cut through the thing and leave.
0: Yeah, I know. But because you'd probably just be like, oh, well,
2: here we go. You're deathly like, oh, afraid of snakes. I'll get it and toss it out. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm on the roof of the tent. Yeah. <laughs> clinging like a sugar glider. <laughs>
0: So as the search and rescue team has traced back their footprints until they can no longer see them, it's getting later. So as the night approached, the rescue team was forced to stop looking and set up camp until the morning. They all took swigs from a flask of vodka that they found in the abandoned tent when one of the rescue team toasted to the health of the hikers. Another member responded saying, quote, best not to drink to their health, but to their eternal peace, unquote.
2: Right. I mean, yeah.
0: So they they had a good idea that they probably were not... You can't
2: survive that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Among their belongings were diaries and cameras which allowed investigators to piece together their expedition up until disaster struck. The trip seemed to be going as planned until the night of the incident. It seemed like the group planned to move through the pass to set up camp until the next day... But the weather made it impossible. Low visibility caused them to travel west on accident. And once they realized that, they decided to just set up camp where they were on the slope of the mountain instead of traveling downhill about one and a half kilometers or 0.93 miles to a wooded area that would have offered them more protection. So many long walk. Yeah. And many people have, you know, speculated on why they decided to do this or why Dietlov, the leader, may have decided to do this. And Yuri, the guy who was gonna go on the trip but then couldn't because of his sciatica, said, quote, Dietlov probably did not want to lose the altitude they had gained, or he decided to practice camping on the mountain slope, unquote.
2: Okay, so they're gonna they're just gonna camp here.
0: Yeah. I think they felt like It was pretty safe. It wouldn't be a huge risk because. Right. And why lose their progression? Right. And it wasn't a steep slope. So I think they, you know, they just didn't think that there was much of a threat by just camping there instead of going back down to the wooded area. Right on. All right. So the next day, the rescue team traveled down to the wood line where they found evidence of a fire. Not far away, they found the bodies of two of the hikers under a big pine tree. Yuri Doroshenko and Yuri Krivoshenko. As they suspected, the men had no shoes on, and strangely, they had no clothes on besides their underwear. The rescuers noted a tree nearby whose branches looked like they had been broken about five meters up the trunk. It looked as if one or both of the men tried to climb the tree to escape something or to get a better look at what was around them. So many people have talked about the fact that they didn't have clothes on, this is a little bit, um, not everyone agrees on why that is. So some people think that it could be paradoxical undressing, which right. occurs when you are, you know, start developing hypothermia, you start to feel really hot and you think that you are like overheating. So you start to take off layers of clothes.
2: Strange phenomenon.
0: Yes, it is as we go on i will tell you more that kind of refutes the paradoxical undressing theory okay but isn't the the pine tree weird that like they had tried to climb up it for some reason something about that freaks me out
2: yeah it's totally weird i don't get it at all
0: so the next day after you know they found the bodies of two of the group They find the bodies of Igor Dietlov and Zenaida Komogorova. A little less than a week after that, on March 5th, they found Rustam Slobodan. The three were found between the woods and the tent, and their bodies looked like they died trying to get back to their camp. So they were facing, you know, the camp. The last group to be found was discovered on May 5th, so about two months later, in a ravine under several feet of snow. So some of the snow had to melt before, you know, their bodies could be seen. Of course. This group consisted of Thibaut Brignol, Dubanina, Kola and Zolotaryov. They all had clothes on, unlike many of the others who were found before them. Some of them were wearing the others' clothes, so it was suspected that the ones who outlived the others may have taken their clothes to try to survive the brutal temperatures. Yeah. This refutes the paradoxical undressing theory Because it seems as though, you know, the bodies that were found before may have, you know, been some of the first to die. And and then their clothes were taken off. Or they were with them and took their clothes off and continued on.
2: Yeah, because I would. But what doesn't make sense is why didn't they have any shoes and why didn't they start walking home?
0: One of the groups was trying to get back to the camp.
2: To the camp? But not
0: not where the tent is?
2: You mean... Camp like where no. everybody else is. Home. No,
0: no, no, no. I, I'm saying part of the group was trying to walk back to the tent. Uh huh. The other group were not sure where they were trying to walk to, but probably trying to find help somehow. One would think. I, I don't know. I mean, the actual camp where other people are is going to be probably a long ways away. So that's why part of The group was found trying to get back to to the tent to 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 get get the the shoes shoes for everyone, probably meet back up with them, and then continue on, but they died.
2: What a miserable trip. Yeah. With no shoes. I know. Walking to get the shoes. You can see the tent. I know. Just a little bit more.
0: I know. Investigators speculated the group may have been trying to find help when they fell into a ravine and died. So... Yeah, they're trying to get
2: some help. They're trying to go back or something and... Yeah. They're panicked and their expertise didn't help them.
0: Yeah. And I mean, experts still die all the time doing these really dangerous things. People die on Everest every year. Yeah. But the autopsies of all of the members made the mystery even more confusing. So the first four bodies to be found, krivoshenko Doroshenko, Dyatlov, and Komogorova, showed no injuries that may have led to their deaths. They were found to have died from hypothermia. Okay. Liver mortis was found on the backs of Krivoshenko and Doroshenko, which is strange because Krivoshenko was found in a way that suggested he he must have been moved after death.
2: Right, because like he had...
0: Because of the way that he was laying and facing, it did not align with where the liver mortis was found.
2: Right, so they can tell the position you were in how things start to settle. Yes. Okay.
0: Um I have seen a little bit of back and forth on this, so, you know, it's it's possible that not everyone agrees on that, but I wanted to add that in cuz I thought it was important that some people do think that. Okay. He also had a piece of his own knuckle in his mouth, which he had bit off, and he had third-degree burns on his body.
2: Which you can get from the cold, right?
0: No. Not not no, no I that guess would be frostbite,
2: can't. yeah, so, which is a type of burn, I guess, but not really,
0: yeah, but it's not, you know, it wouldn't be called a third degree burn, so what the fuck was that from? Dora fell in the fire, so that yes, yeah, some people say it maybe it's from the fire that they had started, yeah, I mean, if um, you can only
2: get it from fire, then,
0: yes, it is possible. And Doroshenko also had burns on his socks and on his left foot. Dietlov was apparently vomiting blood, but I'm not sure why. Like, I wasn't able to find any more information on that. Weird. Um, or, like, why they think that happened. But apparently they found that at the scene. Um, and then the autopsies of the last four to be found were the strangest. So... Thibault Brignol had severe skull damage, and Dubonina and Zolotaryov had severe chest fractures. It was said that the force required to cause damage like that is equivalent to a car crash. Dubonina was also missing her tongue, eyes, part of her lips, and part of the tissue on her face, and a piece of her skull bone. Zolotaryov was missing his eyeballs, and Kolevatov was missing his eyebrows. It's believed that these strange injuries happen after the students died. The most likely scenario was that scavengers ate those body parts. But it's so strange because, you know, you have half of the group where they have no injuries and they just died from hypothermia. And then you have right. the other half of the group where they have these terrible injuries. Like, I mean, ah. the the force that was necessary to create injuries like that is insane. I I have some theories.
2: Are we at a point where I can start talking about my theories yet?
0: In just one more paragraph.
1: A lot can happen in the next 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. To find out if it's right for you. Okay.
0: So the last group found in the ravine had actually built a small den to try to survive. Oh. But strangely, their bodies were found outside of it. Kind of weird, you yeah. know. Um, according to investigators, the group did everything they could to survive. So, this also, you know, when it comes to talking about the paradoxical undressing, obviously the people that were undressed were not with this group that built a small den, but they say, look, most of the people had the wherewithal to do everything possible to survive. It doesn't seem like it, all of them just like died from hypothermia and, you know, showed the psychological effects of hypothermia. It seems like many of them were very much still aware and, you know, trying to bundle up with the other people's clothes and sure all of that. So members of the rescue team noted branches that had been cut by what looked to be some sort of knife, but there was no knife ever found at the scene. Interesting. Yeah. Although I, you know, when I think about it, it's like there's so much snow there and it's such a wide area. Like I feel like it's very possible that, you know, a knife could have been there and they just missed it. But it's
2: like so cold, so snowy. Like you might not see something. It's windy as hell. You know, you might not see it.
0: Yeah. Knives are small. Right, right. Furthermore, some of their clothes tested positive for radiation. Apparently, it's been said that they must have been exposed to a relatively high amount of radiation for that much to be detected on their clothes since they had been laying out in the snow for months before they were found. But many people argue that some of them lived in cities that had been contaminated, which could be the reason that their clothes tested positive and... Is this
2: anywhere near like Chernobyl or anything like that?
0: None of them lived in Chernobyl, but a couple of them lived in other cities that had been contaminated by, you know, some type of radiation.
2: Sure. A lot of that going on back then.
0: Yeah. So.
2: Oh, you have a cold? Here's some radium. (laughs) I mean, that was like way before the 50s, but still.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Not that far, not really. Th-
0: yeah, not that long <laughs> before, but yes. Probably like, what, like the 30s or something? 20 or 30s? I'm not sure. So, what the fuck happened?
2: Avalanche, Yeti, or... <laughs> um, I think the my fun theory is it's a Yeti. Okay. Right? Like, this, this thing's coming, charging down the hill. They hear it. Maybe it's a pack of Yetis. I don't know. Come through! They hear it. They're like, "Oh shit! It's real! It's real! It's real!" They cut through the thing. They run. They get down to the trees. They're climbing up there. The Yeti's trying to climb up the tree. It's breaking branches. Shit's going nuts. People are tripping. One guy gets his head cracked. The chest cavity's caved in on another dude. Everybody else goes the other way. You know. Then they don't have any clothes. They can't get back to their fucking tent, and then they die. You know it sucks. But I think what really happened, my best guess from this information, is simply an avalanche. They okay. hear it coming, same thing as, as the Yeti, right? And like, that's why those trees are cut where they were. What I, The thing I can't figure out is where would all the snow go?
0: Right. And not only that, but if there was an avalanche, well, so there's multiple things to consider. One of the things to consider is that where they were was a very unlikely place for an avalanche to occur. It was just not, the avalanches didn't really happen there. That doesn't mean that they can't, right. but, you know, when you add all of these things up, it's it just gets confusing. So the second thing that is strange is if there was an avalanche, how come only one group showed Signs of, you know, being hit with like severe force and having injuries because of that. While the other group did not have any injuries. They just died from hypothermia.
2: Because they're slow. Everybody else ran ahead of them and they didn't get up quick enough and then smack. But the ones who
0: had the injuries were found further down.
2: And carried down the hill by all the snow.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean
2: I refuse to believe that it's a yeti. I want it to be
0: so. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> I so
2: badly want it to be a yeti.
0: So, I'm going to tell you some of the most popular theories. Avalanche, yeti. So, mushrooms. What you said is avalanche is definitely the most popular theory. And in, in 2021, there was a group of researchers who started investigating it again. Okay, and yeah. they actually had help from the Disney like animators who animated what? Frozen to help oh, them perfect. to help them create a model that showed what might have happened. A
2: fucking snowman with a carrot comes out and starts d- jumping around, singing fucking cute songs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah 100% right I mean That's who it was It was that fucking What's his name Olaf Olaf came just fucking Charging down the hill Disney figures it out That's so funny <laughs> Fucking Disney Yeah I, I mean, mean it, I guess it makes sense Because I mean Those guys are talented Let's let's be real They use real physics And they use real Data to To make these things work But Please tell me Tell me the rest
0: Yeah It. I mean Yes so just to tell you the name of the people that led this team and published the research, tell their me names the guy's were name was Olaf. No. <laughs> Alexander Puzrin and Johan Gum, And they had a whole team okay. of physicists and engineers who helped them. And then also including the Disney people. Perfect. So what they think happened is they think a slab avalanche might have occurred.
2: Okay. Is that like a big sheet of snow falls, not like a whole mountain of snow?
0: Yeah, basically. So, Like it slides, I
2: guess, like a big shelf, almost like a tectonic plate.
0: Yes, that is pretty much what it is, what you just said. What they think might have happened is when the group put their tent into the side of the mountain, it might have destabilized like a layer of snow underneath that they, you know, couldn't see. Uh And, you know, after they went to bed or... Whatever that caused a shelf of snow to detach detach and Whoa. you know fall down. Um, that makes a lot of sense.: Yes. so
2: And I want the tent stakes that they have. The fucking tent stakes that I have for my Coleman is bullshit. They're like little metal things and you gotta dig them into the ground. They don't do shit. I want the big fuckers that they use to cause avalanches. <laughs> I mean, I want my tent to go nowhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So slab avalanches can occur without, you know, having anything that like causes it or triggers it, but that they think that the tent may have triggered it in this case. Sure. And they also don't have to be like super big for them to be really dangerous like they right. are incredibly dangerous when they happen
2: and i mean i mean think about like being in the ocean and a wave hits you it can knock you on your ass and it not it's not even a big wave yes i mean that's frozen water it's the same thing
0: yeah yeah i mean it's
2: different obviously but
0: yeah like if just uh The The only thing that we can even try to compare it to because we've never experienced anything like that.
2: Have you ever been hit in the head with a big snowball?
0: I mean, imagine
2: 5,000 of them. Right. And And that'd be small.
0: It just overtakes, you know, your entire body. Gosh,
2: I'm thinking like, imagine how heavy
0: it would be if you
2: put, if you filled a trash can full of snow. Or even better, a Yeti cooler. (laughs) Yeah. How heavy would that be?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It would be incredibly heavy. And, you know, even if they were able to dig themselves out of the snow or with the help help of their friends dig themselves out of the snow, the force of the slab avalanche could have, like it did for, you know, at least four of the members, cause serious injuries to their skulls and to their ribs and you know.
2: Well, right, because it can also bring rocks with it too, right? It's not just snow, probably.
0: Yeah, it could. But even even without the rocks, I imagine just the snow alone could do that. The ice, yeah. And the first investigation that they did when this happened, they came to the conclusion that a compelling natural force is what led to their deaths. So this would be a compelling natural force that caused yeah. them to die.
2: Hundred percent. Did the Disney people have a different theory? No, the Disney people. Like it was Robin Williams came out of a lantern, of a lamp, and was like, "Hey, hey, hey! You got a friend in me." <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so stupid. Um. It's so dumb. So the Disney people were the ones who created a... A, a,
2: recre- a recreation?
0: Yes. The, yeah. Yes, they created Obviously a, a recreation I, I mean, of how a slab avalanche could have caused the damage to the tent and the damage to the people that it what did. What a cool
2: project.
0: Yes. And also on top of the fact that they had you know put their tent into that side of the mountain right there, there were, like I mentioned earlier, very strong winds called strong catabatic wins
2: catabatic yes That's a um cool word. i've never heard that
0: and they thought the researchers thought that that also played a role in how this lab of lynch might that have occurred even with all of that information though a lot of people still think there's some things that are not answered though by this and yeah i mean there are it's kind of strange there's just some contradicting facts, it seems, or some contradicting things that occurred. And mainly, there's just a lot of questions that have not been answered, like what caused the radiation found on their clothes?
2: Yeah, that's a weird one.
0: What's up, like we said, with the differences in injuries? So I'm going to go over some of the other um, theories really quickly.
2: Yeah, knock them out.
0: So the second most popular, I would say, theory is that it was the Soviet Union's fault. That they may have been conducting some type of secret operation or secret mission that caused the death of these hikers because they're way out in the Ural Mountains. Maybe, you know, that's where they did some tests because there's not a lot of people out there. Like anything. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that was mentioned was a parachute mine, is what it's called. A parachute mine. Oh, where they like drop it from above? Yes. Oh, that's
2: kind of neat. I never heard of that.
0: Yeah. So they, it's dropped from an aircraft by parachute and they were testing it, maybe. They may have been testing them. Yes. Oh, um, well, that would make sense. It would
2: cause an avalanche or blow them up.
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, I think the thought is that it may have blown them up. Possibly.
2: So. Um <clears throat> I don't think so, though. That doesn't add up to me.
1: Well, yeah. How would I, they
2: if there's a t- if there's a parachute mine coming down? How would they get out of the tent? How would they know they need to leave the tent? Maybe the parachute mine could have caused an avalanche. Or. I'm stuck on this avalanche. I, I can't see it being anything else.
0: It's possible that they saw, you know things in the sky or so one landed really close to them and so they cut themselves out of the tent because or one landed on top of the tent so they cut themselves out of the tent um one of the things that i didn't mention yet is that that night there were reports of like orange orbs in the sky
2: it was fucking aliens That is another theory. Of course it is. It's always alien.
0: It being some type of secret operation or, you know, parachute mine testing does answer some questions and...
2: Could have been anything.
0: Yeah. Other theories are that the Soviet government specifically targeted them or one of them for some reason. I'm not really... Big KGB shit. Sure why that would have been, but that's just, you know, people probably trying to latch onto anything to make sense of this yeah obviously it being the soviet government really helps would really help to answer the question of the radioactivity the slab avalanche theory just doesn't answer that question
2: yeah also how much radiation are we talking about do we know because i mean like you said it could have been contamination from the house like where they lived i mean radiation doesn't go away
0: So they said, um, I mentioned this earlier, they said that they would have had to have been exposed to a high amount of radiation because of what was found on them.
2: Oh, right. You
0: did. After they had been laying in the snow for so long, there was still a lot of radiation apparently found on their clothes. Weird. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, there are the more paranormal theories that it was a Yeti or it was a UFO or something like that um
2: Matthew McConaughey from Interstellar he went through the war- wrong gravitational warp came back in 1959 killed a bunch of people jumped back into the warp and then showed up 150 or 80 years later when his daughter was old <laughs> boom done got it wow you figured it out that's crazy thank you someone dropped the mic <laughs>
0: So I would say those are probably the the three most popular theories, but I think right now the Slab Avalanche theory is the one that makes the most sense, even though it still doesn't answer a lot of questions. And if you have seen True Detective season four, I, I won't say anything that gives anything away. I will just say that Slab Avalanches are mentioned in the show, so you can... See, the DLF Pass incident clearly influenced
2: oh, this yeah. season. 100%.
0: In multiple ways. I'm just saying, the Slab Avalanche theory is like a very clear callback to the DLF Pass incident, yeah, it's in totally, my opinion. Totally. So, yeah, I mean, there's really not much else to say. Wow. Yeah. Um.
2: Can't wait for episode six.
0: I can't wait for episode six either. I'm going to be so fucking upset if a certain person dies i'm going to be very upset if anyone dies but a certain person i just feel like they are foreshadowing it and i am set. i'm scared
2: yeah there's there's a a, at least four characters that i don't want to die yeah i promise you
0: one will i know i'm so scared um good thing she's fictional thank god (laughs) thank god But unfortunately the people involved in DLF Pass were not fictional and that is, it's very, very sad what happened to them. I, I guess the only, this is super cliche, but like at least they, you know, passed away doing something that they love to do, but it's still really, really sad. And it it seems like it might have just been a freak accident that no one was expecting. Of course, though, when you do things like that, that are very risky, you know, there is a chance.
2: They're very risky.
0: Yeah. But I would love to hear everyone else's theories on this. I just can't. It's so hard to make sense of what we know. I I don't want to, I could go way further into basically everything, but like I said, So many people have covered this before. Yeah. I don't think that we need to, you know, rehash every little detail. Yeah, this is just fun. I
2: mean, we really love True Detective this season, and we definitely want to know more about what's behind it.
0: Yes, yes. And it's fun
2: to share it with you guys.
0: Yes. So thank you so much for listening. Next episode, we will do the Mary Celeste, and then that will be the end of the True Detective inspiration episodes. And then I'm going to be able to start working on some of the listener suggestions. So I just want everyone to know yeah. I am not ignoring your suggestions. I love all of the suggestions that we've gotten and I'm going to do all of them. Um, but since true detective is on right now, I have you know, I had to, had to, to this do this out, right now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I look forward to continuing to make more and we will talk to you guys very, very soon. Thank you so, so much for listening. If you have a second And you wouldn't mind leaving a review and a rating. We would be so, so grateful. Yeah. And, you know, if you are struggling with anything at all or know anyone else who's struggling and might benefit from hearing other people's stories, let them know about It's Always Cloudy in Hell. So thank you all so, so much. I love you all so much. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.